Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. Uh, now with smells. Uh, I am the board game guru and Johan uh, and game master extraordinaire Johanadon. It's Casualty CDG. I'm the co-host of Fresh Out the Box and Fresh Out the Podcast. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the fun house, Drew Munhausen, but Gary, casualty CDG, a tra- human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian and artist now. Whoa. That's a big should word. That be, should that be added to the title or or maybe get more specific? Miniature artist extraordinaire. Wow. Extraordinaire, huh? I didn't. That's not me. I didn't put that on there, everybody. Look, I, I'm honored. I'm blushing. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been painting miniatures. Uh, um, got into some Warhammer 40K orcs, and I've been having a blast. I paint almost one a day. Sometimes I skip a day or two, and I'll paint another guy. Sometimes I paint two guys in a day. Uh, you never know how it's going to turn out, but I, I've recently challenged myself, Drew, to painting some textures like denim and worn leather uh, and things that besides just metal and cloth. So let's let's roll it all the way back because Uh-oh. obviously you you and I have a history as as friends and I remember back in the day I, we would have had to be in junior high middle school time. We kind of went through a brief Warhammer phase, you know when kids thought it was cool to go hang out at the mall and our mall happened to have a games workshop at that time. And I do remember you and me and a few of our other friends going in there and hanging out and, and probably just like standing around in there for too long. Cause we were young and didn't have any money and, you know, couldn't afford to buy things and eventually can, you know, probably convinced our parents to buy us a few sets, but you quickly learn at a young age that it's a difficult hobby. You have to do all, you know, paint these miniatures. You don't just jump right into the, the actual game aspect of it. And, you know, it, it eventually, we just kind of eventually dropped off of that, that little phase and moved on to the next thing, you know, probably had some new video games or something. Right. Um, We're junior high kids looking for our place in the nerd world. And, uh, and comics hit big for us. We were big into comics. Of course, movies hit big. Video that, games hit big. Dog? Is that a yeah. dog shaking? That's right. That was Bananas doing his mightiest shake. <laughs> um, yeah, we tried all the different nerd things, right? We dipped a toe into each of them. And even all the fun stuff, not just the Katie Mills Mall, but all the fun stuff was a hobby shop yep. that we would go to as kids. The first place we ever did land Counter-Strike. Um, and actually, Jahan grew up in that shop also. I did. And I think, was that your first exposure to Warhammer there, Jahan? Uh, no, it was at the mall. Uh, it was at the Games Workshop in the mall. And my friend and I coordinated getting, like, the Warhammer starter kits. Uh, and then we, like, swapped the half of the army for the other one. So, like, I gave him all the Space Marines I had. He gave me all his Dark Eldar. And then we had, like, double the size kind of thing. Uh... We played. We played hard. We we. It was not. We didn't dip our toes in. We. I had a giant uh, table in my garage, um, like a huge war table. My mom like got it at wholesale or something, 
And we would make terrain, and we would play, like, 2,000-point battles. Uh, it was it was fun, man. We played a lot. It was me, Kayvon would play, Alan would play. Uh, who else? There was a few other people in our, like, former friend groups that would play with us. But, yeah. See, I you haven't still had... have all your old miniatures? I have all of mine. I have all of Alan's, and I have all of Kayvon's. They gave them all to me. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to play, right? I haven't bought the codexes, I haven't bought the rule books, but um, I'm collecting, I'm collecting in mind with having a playable army. Uh, like everything that I'm getting, I, I know what it will be on the table and sort of what it will do and what role it fits. So I'm not collecting to play per se, but when the time comes, I'll be ready to play uh, with what I'm getting. So, so I have a, I don't, I don't want this to be an assumption. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. But the way that I took it when you started painting these was that knowing you, and I know you're a a hobbyist kind of person. You know, you you've always been that when you pick top RPGs, that was not just something you you did casually. That was something you really enjoyed and and. You know, I would say with some of our early friend groups that played, like you were really the motivator behind like, hey, let's get together and play regularly. And now you have a, a street, you know, obviously Fresh Out the Box exists and you stream tabletop games three nights a week. I assume that Warhammer probably ever since that junior high time frame has been always kind of in the back of your mind as something that you've wanted to get into and like really wanted to pick back up again. And you finally have gotten to a place now where you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the leap. And you bought that set and like really decided to dive into this, this hobby. Is so that a correct assumption? That's exactly right. Um, and then Jahan will even tell you for, you know, every now and then, you know, Jahan and I played a Warhammer tabletop game, so this type of stuff has come up for us before in conversation. And we played the Warhammer video games. I mean, I know that there's a million. They license, Warhammer licenses their titles out to everybody. Uh, that could be a discussion for another day when we crap all over how bad they treat their trademarks. Uh, but there's some good ones, like uh, Vermintide is a really Vermintide good Warhammer game. Two. Vermintide 2 is even better, and then they're making Dark Tide, which Dark is a Tide Warhammer war 40k uh, and those games are kind of a Left for Dead style game where you play as fantasy characters. Um, so when John and I go through playing these Warhammer games together, these these conversations always come up. And I've always told him uh, that I wanted either Orcs or Tyranid. And I've known that since I was young. You're right. It's never left my mind. Those have always been the two armies I've wanted. Uh, through the years, you know, you see stuff here and there with Warhammer, and I'm just like, yeah, there's still just two for me. You know, there, there's still only two. Uh, and so I've got my orcs, you know what I mean? It, it was like a big uh, check off my to-do list. I've got orcs, and they're awesome. And then I found out that, uh, like, when we started building Warhammer miniatures when we were young, um, the way that they came was a body and a, a bunch of arms, a bunch of chests, a bunch of legs, and a bunch of heads. And you took your head, and you super glued it on. You picked what legs you wanted. You picked what arms. And you could kind of customize your guy for basically every army. Um, now, the pieces are way more highly detailed. You don't need super glue. They, they're like hard plastic pre-molded. And most of the time, they have one way that they go together. But certain units have different weapons you can substitute. So they kind of hard click into place. 
and they have they're really easy to build, um, makes them easier to prime and put together. And it, it, painting them is much harder though, right? Because now you can't paint an arm and then put it on when you're done. Because now if the arm is across the chest connected to a gun, you're painting an arm on a chest all as one piece. And so you're having to do your details and your layers a lot more carefully than painting the separate arm and then putting it on. So I've had already had, you know, new pieces and new challenges and new things to look at with these miniatures. And it was the first box I opened was like my old ones, was like the ones when we were kids. And so when I opened the new Combat Patrol box, uh, it was a, a whole new surprise for me, right? It was a whole new thing. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was like Christmas, man. Christmas I, for I myself. I get back into it, too. Uh, now is a great time to start playing Warhammer 40K because they are fixing to release the very last of the Army updates for 9th edition. So, like, right now, 9th edition <clears throat> has, like, officially is, like, fully released. So, right now, you'd be getting in essentially on the ground floor of a new edition. Uh, they've updated all the rules. All the armies codexes have been updated. Uh, I really want to check out what they did to the armies that I play. I play Dark Eldar, which are now called the Drukhari, and then the Tau, who are like anime mech people, and they're awesome. But uh, <clears throat> and they just released the Space Dwarves as well, and they have some really cool looking units. So uh, I don't know if the if they've come out yet, the squats, but they've they announced uh, them. Yeah, they announced them on... It's funny, they announced them on April Fool's Day. And uh, then on April 2nd, they announced that it was not an April Fool's joke. Yeah. <laughs> so so they kind of got double bang for their buck on their April Fool's joke. Um, the squats happened once a long time ago in the first edition of Warhammer 40k. They made some space dwarves. That's what the squats are. Uh, they decided that they didn't like the Space Dwarves in the lore, and so they were wiped out. It was as if they'd never existed. And so for the first time in like 35 years or something, we're getting yeah. Space Dwarves uh, for the first time. And everyone who listens knows that Jahan and I are huge fans of Deep Rock Galactic. We both backed the Deep Rock Galactic Kickstarter board game. It comes with dwarf miniatures. It comes with the bug miniatures from the games. All of those look like they can be primed and painted. So now I feel like I have to get some squats whenever the squats are released because, you know, I got Space Dwarves coming and I'm going to be painting Space Dwarves, so why stop it? Just the Deep Rock guys. Yeah. No, their new lore is actually really cool. I like it a lot. So when it when it comes to um, the actual painting portion of it, do you watch, you know, YouTube videos and things like that that give you tips for painting? Because... I know that I've tried to paint miniatures before, and I'm somebody that, not as much now, but when I was younger, I was a bit more artistically inclined, and it's very difficult. Very difficult. So, so I was curious about that. Since I was in, like, third grade, I've got real, real shaky hands, and I shake really bad. And I knew going into this that was going to be a problem. So before, when my miniatures came, I also got a magnifying glass with a light because I knew I wouldn't be able to do it without it. And so I've, uh, because of that, I can actually paint the miniatures. But yeah, I, I shake like crazy. I definitely watch videos. Uh, the first time I sat down, I put on a video of a guy who said, uh, you know, this is the stuff he wished he had known when he was a kid coming home from, uh, coming home from Games Workshop, holding his paints and his minis for the first time. And so he, he definitely gave off that good, uh, honest, 
nerd vibe, uh, great tips all the way through. And then the good thing about Warhammer is it's been around longer than we have, right? The lore is yes. older than us, uh, it, and it's such a ripe universe. So whenever you're painting, you can just go on YouTube and you know go to orcs, and all the orcs have different clans and armies, and you can listen to hours and hours and hours of lore to inspire you and look at other people's stuff and see how they're painting their same... They're, they're different versions of the same army. Um, they actually have their own publishing company uh, called the Black Library. Uh, and I've, I have read many of those books. Uh, I'm a huge Warhammer lore whore. Um, but yeah, I, I also... Yeah, Warhammer's great. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, painting. I, I remember... Like yeah. We have to mention Age of Sigmar while we're at this crossroad also. Uh, so I've been painting Warhammer 40k, which is their future stuff. Yes. Um, it's, you know, spaceships and tanks and, and war. They also have a fantasy setting that used to be called Warhammer Fantasy, and then it was Warhammer The Old World. But uh, basically every few years they redo the rules, they update it, they'll redo the armies and change the lore yeah, and time. keep the game alive and going, you know? Uh, they sub continue to support their game. Well, they, they're now... They've been in... Warhammer Age of Sigmar for a little bit now. It's really well established at this point where Jahan was saying a lot of the 40k rules are caught up. The Age of Sigmar rules are really coming out and people are liking them. The new minis are coming out. The new armies are being announced. So it's also, if you wanted to get into collecting miniatures, Age of Sigmar is very much alive and booming right now. It's <laughs> This is the it hardest is. part of any hobby, right? Uh, it, 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 any hobbyist it has that point where they're like, have I spent enough money like right now on what I'm doing? And I want orcs, right? I've got orcs. The orcs are awesome. But in the Age of Sigmar, they have orcs and they've got goblins and they've got demons and they've got giants and the giants ride on giant rams. Some like, of why them wouldn't, cross over. Why wouldn't I want to paint a giant riding on a giant ram. You know what I mean? Like this, there are all these cool armies and miniatures um, and factions that it's, it's almost this slippery slope of what do I want to collect and how do I draw the line? Has my favorite faction ever in anything. And that's the Skaven. Gary also goes hard for the Skaven. They're rat people. Uh, they were rats that were like horribly mutated and they became this whole species. They are conniving. Uh, they're so crazy, man. Their whole personality, everything about them is everything. I just love that whole setting. They're, uh, the Skaven are particularly nice and chaotic and suicidal to, to a point where they'll just use as much magic as they can to get power that they know that will corrupt them. Uh, and, and since they're rat people, they don't really care about the consequences the same way a people people would. Uh, so it makes for a fun enemy. The yeah. the the crazy rats who are willing to go that extra mile. Um, I could talk about Warhammer all day. I could There's literally so... talk about Warhammer all day. In fact, let me just finish with this. The reason I was I know so much about Age of Sigmar is collecting these miniatures. Before I go to bed now at night, I'll go to the Games Workshop website. And I'll just sort by Age of Sigmar or sort by 40k. And then you can sort by which army. You could just pick one army after the other. Boom, show me all this army back. Now show me all this army. So you can see every single miniature that they're currently producing and publishing. 
So it doesn't show you any of the old stuff that you might find on other websites. It shows you what is in now. Uh, granted, the prices on Games Workshop are very high, so I wouldn't yes. necessarily buy from them, but it's a great place to scope out what you're doing. 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's beautiful. So I, I can't stop looking at miniatures every night. Um, I, I feel like I go to bed with ideas of what I want to paint, and then I wake up in the morning like like yesterday when I was like, I want to paint blue jeans. I want my orc to have torn blue jeans. Uh, I don't know why, but I woke up. I went to sleep knowing I needed to paint that when I woke up. See, my whole thing with Warhammer, where I learned most of my stuff was from their monthly magazine, White Dwarf magazine, that has like short stories from all different authors, and you just find out lore things, lore things, lore things. And then uh, one of my favorite book series that I will officially, like, this is me telling you to go read it if you get a chance The Slayer Saga. Uh, starring Gro, uh, Grotrex and Felix, uh, Felix Jagger. It's an epic tale about a man who drunkenly agrees to follow a dwarven slayer and record his death because dwarven slayers seek death uh, against overwhelming odds to atone for a sin in their past. Um, and it's like 16 books. <laughs> it's There's a lot of them. There's a lot of content there. And so here's the cool part about Warhammer, right? So these books have these characters in them, right? It has Felix and Grotrex. It also has, like, this specific Skaven sorcerer uh, and his rat ogre, uh, Bonar, right? At some point, they released those Bonar? characters. Bone... <laughs> Bonar, or something like that. Uh, Bone Ripper. Bonar. Bonar. Like, gnarring. <laughs> yeah, Boner. Like, Boner. No, Bone Ripper, I think, is his real name. But, mm-hmm. uh... They all of those characters were released as playable characters for the Warhammer Age of Sigmar tabletop game as well. They had rules in the White Dwarf magazine, and then they had official models released. So like, there's just this. It's a it's a awesome multi like cross media hobby that spans everywhere from books, card games, tabletop RPGs, MMOs, uh, all the way across. It's a cool thing, man. It's cool. They give you enough. Well, my last question was just going to be with Gary with the, the miniature painting is, do, do you feel with the ones you've painted from the beginning to now, do you feel yourself getting better? Oh, God. Game? Yes. And back to that, to harken back to the video, you asked me if I watched anything. The guy who, who was talking about painting his first miniature said, keep your first miniature. He said, don't, don't get rid of it. Don't throw it away. Don't repaint it. Uh, keep it. That way you can look back at it and compare everything you're painting now to the first miniature you painted. And it just in like the, the what, four, three or four weeks I've been painting uh, has been a an astronomical difference, massive difference. Yeah, I've seen everything he's painted. They're actually getting better and better, and they're actually good. He's pretty, you're getting pretty good at it. Uh, Thank you. My first miniature, I decided to do my like, stand on your own like commander of my whole army that was the first one i wanted to paint and you know you buy it separately it's more expensive than any other piece i put like 15 coats of primer or something on it because i was a dumb like 12 year old kid lost every detail on the model and it just looks like this blob of paint (laughs) it's just this trash miniature uh a monument to my failure as a child you know 
your entire wow. life is a monument to your failure as a child. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, yeah, I broadcast nice... live from my parents' house. The nice part is that Gary Gary has talked about how you know he'll nestle down, getting ready to paint, throw something on TV. So it adds to what we're transitioning into our typical what we've been watching, which I'm sure there's probably a lot of recently since you've had some good painting time and man time. so i've been watching so much that i i didn't even write a lot of it down because i'm watching a bunch of old stuff again also just to to have things on um but yeah I'll, i mean i'll watch stuff until two or three in the morning because sometimes you gotta finish painting right uh so i've rewatched a bunch of old stuff um <clears throat> i've been especially on disney plus Rewatching some Marvel movies, some Avengers movies. I went and rewatched. I went and got on HBO just to watch Edward Norton's Hulk, um, and I watched that. And then I watched the first Avengers, which that Hulk movie was terrible, except for the one fight scene at the university campus. Other than that, the movie was actually trash. Uh, the first Avengers movie is not good until the fight in New York. It just isn't. Uh, so I, I'm going to have some good hot takes on going back and watching a lot of these things. But the reason I bring up Disney... had the opposite effect, where you were like, I remember this not being very good, and you watch it, and you're like, oh, this actually is pretty good. Um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, while I, while I talk about Disney, uh, I'll talk about what I've watched that's new, you know, without recycling all the old stuff and my old opinions. I watched the new Rescue Rangers reboot on Disney+. Plus. Have either of you had the chance to see this yet? John, you... I meant to watch it before the stream, uh, but we were playing Deep Rock Galactic, so I did. Yeah, we were. <laughs> I do really want to watch this. It looks awesome. Uh looks very uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is one of Jen's all-time favorite movies. Uh, it looks so good. And she also said that it was good, so... I watched the first like 30 ish minutes of it. Um, it's one that I actually, so I'm not going to give like a full opinion of it, but I'll put it this way. I started watching it with my two year old who was interested at times, but also not interested at others because it's, you know, there's some animation, but not, and, and a lot of the humor, it's, it's not as much. I mean, it's, it can be a kid's movie, but there was a lot of humor for the adults too. And my honest, like midway through or watching it with her, cause I could only kind of pay attention was I need to stop this because I want to watch this movie and actually watch it because some of the jokes were making me laugh out loud. Um, just sitting and watching it in my living room. So I thought, no, this is one that I need to watch and pay attention to. So I watched, I, I got, about 30 minutes of the way in, but I'm going to restart it and, and give it full atten attention soon. But I still want to hear your overall opinions of it. I say that it's a 10 out of 10 for a kid's movie. Um, because we watch kid's movies, right? All three of us do. I don't know why we do it, but we watch them and then we critique them like they were meant for adults. We do that. I don't know what the hell is wrong with the three of us, but we all have that same dysfunction. So with this one, it's a kid's movie. It's a 10 out of 10. It's phenomenal for a kid's movie. It is hilarious. There are character cameos from all sorts of different properties. Like, they let the Lonely Island guys do whatever they want. Uh, I don't want to spoil any of the... There are jokes for Jahan that I don't want to spoil. There are, some, <laughs> there are some good, good things that happen in this movie. Um, 
they're just they cross through a, a, a con right they they're like at a convention and that's what dale is doing these days he goes to conventions and does signings to make ends meet and so the characters that they come across at the cons are so so funny uh, some of the things going on in the background of this movie, they mix cartoon flat drawn animation with 3D rendered CG animation on the same screen. Um, so there's a scene where <laughs> there's a claymation character made out of clay talking <laughs> to a 3D character who's talking to a flat drawn cartoon character and all of them are in a real environment. So the claymation guy is actually on a real clay, on a real stage moving around, right? And the other ones, of course, animated in. And they just continue to blend animations all through the movie to the point where you really accept this human cartoon world. Uh, and, and you accept it by like 15 minutes in. You're, they, they just go over the top with it. There are cartoons everywhere. There are ads and posters, movies in the background that are hilarious. Uh, there's a movie poster for E.T. versus Batman, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, there, there, it's it's great. The, the new Rescue Rangers movie is just cameo after cameo. Hilarity ensues, and I think uh, even the, there's a, a director... I think Akiva plays himself. Uh, he does. I saw yeah. that it, near the beginning. <laughs> yeah, there's like a they're filming a TV scene and it zooms out and the director of the TV commercial is Akiva, or it's like a, maybe it's an old episode of Rescue Rangers. So I know um, Jahan, you know, compared to or said he had heard it was kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Absolutely, and I I saw even in the beginning Roger Rabbit. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there was a part where he made an appearance. So yeah. to me, that seems like a very overt, you know, nod that they kind of they know what they're doing. But just from the bit I saw, it's as funny as the movie is and as clever. It's almost like a tribute to the history of animation with all the different forms that yeah. are blending. Now that you put it that way, Gary, it's it's pretty fascinating, but especially with some of the characters. And um, there's even a, a subplot that involves like bootleg copies of things that was that i oh, thought was like incredibly god brilliant like strangely dark for this animated <laughs> form but like also really brilliant the way they've incorporated it in i don't know it's just there's there's i i know for a fact smart. that that was the point whenever the lonely island guys were talking to the disney guys and somebody at the writer's table stood up and started clapping because they they explain the plot to you like in an elevator pitch kind of way in one point in the movie and it's just so good like once you know what you're on board for in this movie right because who cares if Odie is trapped at the airport and Garfield has to go save him that's kind of stupid right who who really cares about that but in this movie the plot is that cartoon characters that are washups are getting kidnapped and getting erased and getting different parts added onto them from the other wash-up characters and they're being sold overseas for bootleg movies and they're trying to save the rescue rangers are trying to save them that's pretty hilarious i mean yeah i, I erupted in. into laughter i was like that's it that's the plot like yes in. what a plot you're just trying to save the old cartoons from getting bootlegged yes yeah no i feel like you, you guys know I'm a huge fan of animation. Uh, I love anything animated. 
I watch cartoons all the time. Uh, and so, yeah, this is just a, like you said, a history of animation. Uh, and it just looks so damn funny. I, I'm thrilled to finally watch this soon. Uh, John Mulaney is Chip, which I didn't know going no. in. I, I just knew that Andy Samberg was Dale. Um, I didn't John know we were going to get... Uh, we got a big Seth Rogen role. We got a really big uh, J. Jonah Jameson. I always forget his name. Uh, J.K. Simmons. We got a big J.K. Simmons role, which I love J.K. Simmons. Of course, he's he's uh, a, an amazing voice actor. And, and, and that's Invincible Dad also. And, uh, you know, I think the move to put this on Disney Plus is very interesting. It's one of those... We're, we're in this weird climate, right, where... There's a lot of people championing the return of movie theaters and wanting things to be in theaters. And I'm, I'm kind of part of that party. But at the same time, it, the word of mouth going around on this movie is so positive right now that it's almost like I wonder how it would have done had it been in theaters. But also the viral nature of it being on Disney Plus has been good because I've seen a lot of people in my social media feeds that are not the people I typically interact with from like a you know, media standpoint or talking about movies and TV shows that are, that are talking about this movie and how funny it is and how they can't get it out of their head. So, so I had to have my controller next to me so I could pause. There's like scenes where they're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and the star, the Hollywood stars, I would pause to see who they were because like Chun Lee uh, was, one. I, that's the one I saw too. Chun-Li. Yeah. And, and there were, there are more. And, and so I was pausing to see who all the different characters were at one point, I paused on a bus stop because I was like, did that just say butthead for president? And I rewinded it, and it was butthead from Beavis and Butthead, but it said butthead for senator. And I was like, what is happening in this movie? Like, there are just things going on. You just need to see the things in this movie. Love to know how they got the permissions to use all these non-Disney franchises within it, because... Your point, and again, I don't want to spoil because there's some fun reveals here, but like you already mentioned Batman and E.T., but like there's even a, a Shrek reference in it, too. Mm-hmm. And, things, and I'm like, how how did y'all so how'd you do this? I actually have heard a bit about this and it's just parody law. Uh, they skirted the they didn't get permission for a lot of them. It's just like uh, I know uh, there's a sonic cameo and they referred to him as ugly sonic or something like that they never actually call him just sonic ever and that makes it uh, and like they made changes to the character he doesn't look the same and so it falls under parody law they don't need permission uh so i imagine there's a lot of that and that doesn't surprise me at all being from the lonely island I, i bet they knew what they could and couldn't get away with or i bet their attorneys know but it's it was really nice watching that and feeling that Lonely Island energy come across, because I never thought to myself, boy, Disney didn't let them do anything. I, I never thought to myself that Disney stopped them or said, you got to do this instead. It looked like Disney just said, yeah, make a Rescue Rangers movie. And, well, and- at the end of it all, there's a there's a post-credits nod to, uh, they would like to make a Darkwing Duck movie. Oh, boy. Uh, so oh, I'm go, all in, all go in. watch Rescue Rangers, go tweet, go post, go let people know how you feel, because I would love to see a Lonely Island Darkwing Duck movie as well. I, I Well, what, one of the last that. Disney Plus original movies I watched was the, the new reboot of Cheaper by the Dozen with Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union. And, and you know, it, it just 
it felt like a straight. I, I don't know how else to say this. Like it felt like it's straight to Disney Plus movie. I don't know yes. how else to put it. We like, remember like, straight you to know, video. It, just, it wasn't very good. It it you know fine for like a family movie, but it wasn't very good. And so when you hear, well, they're doing Rescue Rangers next, you can't help but think of what level of quality that's going to be at. And to hear this is like a pretty big success so far with people our age too. Um, it's funny. I mean, I'll even say this. Like, I remember thinking when they cast John Mulaney and, and Andy Samberg as Chip and Dale, I was like, how are they going to do that? Especially if they're from the Rescue Rangers show. Cause like we all know Chip and Dale have the typical chipmunk voices, but they addressed that early on that like, that's just their stage character voices. And then when they talk <laughs> normally, they talk like, like John Mulaney and Andy Samberg when that's they're funny. in their show, they put on their, they go into character and, and, and I'm like, that's brilliant. I mean, like, and I didn't even funny. think of that before. It's, there's it's a good brilliant. part where they start bickering back and forth through they argue, and like the more they argue, the faster they start arguing. So they speed up into chipmunk voices. They're arguing with each other. Uh, so they give it a you know a nod back. So uh, also Gizmo, the little the little fly that was like their their friend and pet. Uh, later in the movie, you get to hear his voice also. Uh, that's not his. Uh, don't say anymore because yeah, I, no uh, <laughs> I have not gotten there, and I want to experience yeah. that for myself. So yeah, it, I'll, uh, it, it's great. Touch on the movie Certified more fresh. in coming weeks as as Jahan and Certified, I get to see it full, but, Fresh. Everybody uh, watch the Rescue Rangers reboot. Do it. You can watch it with your kids in the room, and you can watch it without your kids in the room. It's hilarious. Uh, I, I might watch it again if you like cartoons, you like animation. And you grew up, if you ever grew up and you were a person that grew up, then you would like this movie if you ever grew up as a person. So speaking of watching movies that you shouldn't watch with your kids in the room, um, I'll, I'll make that transition. Uh, I want to talk about a movie that I saw, and I actually actually wrote a review of this for um, Nerdtropolis. You know, Sean, we just had on a couple weeks ago and, and talking Doctor Strange. And we talked Nerdtropolis a little bit, but I wrote a review uh, for Nerdtropolis for the movie Men, uh, which is the new Alex Garland film, um, which he's, you know, one of those kind of up and coming auteur directors. Uh, if you don't know, he wrote and directed Ex Machina, um, and he also wrote and directed Annihilation a couple years ago. And he did the show Devs that was on FX. So um, kind of a history of... of interesting sci-fi ex machina was really hard into sci-fi uh and then annihilation was more of a, a sci-fi and horror blend and men his newest movie is like a f being described as a folk horror um but anyways it uh it stars jesse buckley um who i love i think she's brilliant she's been in Gosh, a lot of great movies, but like nothing, no like big mainstream franchises that probably our audience would would know her from. But she was just in a Netflix movie last year called The Lost Daughter. Um, that she was nominated for an Oscar for, and she's in a really great movie called Wild Rose that I recommend. But um, but anyway, she's in this movie, and it's basically about her as a woman who um has just recently suffered you know tragedy. Her husband has passed away, so she goes by herself to this little. Um, remote village for a vacation and th where it seems to be only populated by men. But as part of the twist on this movie, all the men are played by the same actor. His name's Rory. Rory Kinnear is the actor's name. And uh, 
to very differing levels, you know, like everything from her landlord to a child in the town that has his head, his face like digitally, <laughs> you know, on the, the child is it, like very off putting looking. Um, but naturally, you know, it just is a very unsettling movie that slowly builds uh, with some scares and things throughout to a just. I don't even know how to describe the finale. I mean, it's just kind of this insane, grotesque finale and how it ends. So that's that's all I want to say. I'll, I'll be pretty vague on it, but it's not for the faint of heart. Um, I would say of Alex Garland's movies between Ex Machina and Annihilation and Men, I probably liked this one the least of those three. But, but an Alex Garland movie that I like the least, for me, is still a high bar compared to other movies that are out if that makes sense it definitely seems like a a weird psychological thriller um it doesn't sound bad it just sounds kind of strange and weird and i bet that was the intention it it is and there's some things that are left very vague through the movie but obviously you know some of the themes are very overt at the same time because i mean the movie's called men and stars a woman and you know, who's kind of plagued by men throughout. And obviously with all the movements that have been going through in our culture, like the Me Too movement and such, there's some themes here that, you know, reflect those movements. But this is a movie that Alex Garland has had in his mind for like the past decade, since before any of that, that he's been waiting for the right time and, and to get, the you know, all the right pieces sorted out. So I think this movie, like, I, like there's a lot of body horror kind of imagery nice. and some crazy stuff that goes on that I think will leave a lot of viewers... <laughs> very displeased it's not for your average moviegoer <laughs> i could see this being the type of movie that at the end people walk out very unhappy uh so it's you know has the pot- potential to be very divisive i probably liked it more than most but just because it was so strange that uh i couldn't help but enjoy it for what it was so for, that from a body was... horror point of view uh what, what what's the worst body horror you've ever seen was this up there it it definitely had some things that can't be unseen. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it that the way. The most bothered I've ever been by body horror was Tusk. That one mm-hmm. got me. That one, that one, that one got me. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, Brand New Cherry Flavor. Uh, which I haven't watched that, but I've seen Tusk, for, for better or for worse. I saw I've Tusk in Tusk. theaters, man. That was, that was, there's some hard watching there, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, there's some pretty unsettling stuff towards the end of this movie that goes on for a really long time, too. Like, it starts, and you're just going, you know, I don't know what's happening here, and then it just continues on and continues on. So, like, almost to the point where this unsettling imagery and crazy stuff, you almost get desensitized to it as it's going, because it goes on for as long as it does in this scene. Um, But yeah, so uh, anyway, I'll uh, post my review to this in the show notes, too, if you want to check it out, but... I I like, I recommend this movie with an asterisk. And they're like, I liked it, but if you don't like it, don't at me. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> because I get it. Because I get it. There are people that that will see this that will hate it. Uh, but I didn't. So there you go. That's men. <laughs> uh, speaking of freaky, weird horror, uh, I will watch something too. I don't know if you've heard of Go on. From on Epics. Um, it's 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 an interesting show. Uh, it stars one of the guys <laughs> from Lost. Uh, 
I think he was also in the Matrix. He's in a lot of stuff. He is. He is Harold Perrineau. He is in the Matrix. I think he's the pilot. Yeah, his name's Link them, in the, the Matrix. Yeah. I just yeah. want to say that I haven't heard of from uh-huh. because I haven't heard of Epics. Yeah. Uh, but go on. Yeah, Epics. <laughs> Yeah, no. It, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I, I heard about this show and I, I, I got to watch it. I've been watching it with my mom, actually. I think someone from work uh, at her work recommended it. So it's one of those, like, there's, they, I love the way it starts. They throw you in. There's all these questions. Like, you, they don't explain anything, like, at all. Uh, there's people that they all have to get inside. Like, there's this, uh, he, the main character, uh, is walking down the street with a bell, ringing the bell, like calmly, like he's not hurried, nothing like that. Everyone has to go to their homes, right? Um, before nightfall. And there's this guy, he's drunk, passed out at the bar. Um, and the guy's like, we gotta go, we gotta get home before dark. Like, we have to. And uh, the guy's passed out drunk, uh, long story short, he doesn't make it home before dark. Uh, he pa- he stays passed out on the bar floor. Uh, and then his family's house, they're like, where is he? I guess he's not coming. Uh, he's, uh, hopefully he's somewhere safe for the night. And then, you know, nightfall, everyone's inside. Uh, and then this little girl in that house is playing upstairs. Uh, <laughs> this old lady comes to the window and is like, hey little girl and it's really creepy man the faces they they're all smiling uh they walk real slow and then the little girl winds up opening the window for her and letting her in the house and it doesn't go well (laughs) so there's this mystery it's this town long story short it's a town that all these people are stuck in you can't leave if you try to leave you wind up right back in the town um and there are these things outside at night and there's a mystery going on uh, that they're trying to solve. I think it's really good. I like it a lot. Uh, I absolutely recommend From. From has been renewed for a second season. Yes. And for any of our international listeners, it's actually going to be distributed by Netflix everywhere outside of the United States. So I was I was just looking at this too because I know of Epics as like it's typically bundled with like if you subscribe to HBO, we're going to throw on epics for free and like there you know always be some random movies on there but i was looking epics is actually owned by mgm mgm got purchased by uh by amazon uh this year that you know that got finalized back in march this show debuted back in february so i wonder if eventually the show will be made available on amazon prime video i hope it doesn't mess with the show because i think that this show could have a good few seasons. Like I'm almost, I'm on the last episode. I haven't finished the the first season. Uh, I'm excited. It seems like they are primed for a really good second season. But there's a lot of bo- there's also- a lot of horror. There's a lot of uh, like some man. The creatures look like people, man. But the way they act, it has that uncanny valley. Like seriously, man, straight up chills down my spine like i was watching it i was like ah and she was like are you gonna be okay I was like, yeah i'm fine it's just really creepy so the epics also had a show called pennyworth that's about a young alfred pennyworth like yeah. batman's butler but it's when he's a super young man and i thought it was about like a... the clown whenever the clown was young and he was getting bullied at school 
nope, nope. This is young, young Alfred, who's like a British soldier serving like almost like a spy drama with him. And uh, I think that show actually moved on to HBO Max with all the other DC properties after it being did. an epics because, you know, it's epics. But there you go. Yeah, you're right. I saw Pennyworth there the other day and was like, who in their right mind would watch this terrible property? And then instead <laughs> I watched so another cartoon. It looks so bad. What a dumb concept. Hey, you know Batman? You know Batman's butler? <laughs> While we're talking about, uh, let's just throw it in here. Son of Batman is on HBO Max also if you're trying to watch some DC stuff. That's Damian Wayne with the sword uh, cutting people up in like the first five minutes. Uh, yeah, it, it'll get you there. It'll get you where you're going. For those of you who don't know, Damian Wayne is the son of Bruce Wayne and the grandson of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, it's pretty he's, he's a dope character all the way through. 100%. Just because my brain is stupid, when you said Damian Wayne, my head thought uh, Damian Wayans and thought the, like, the, like of the Wayans brothers, you know, and that's where my head went. Uh, him some people up isn't there a marlon wayans superhero movie called blank man isn't that a thing that is the thing yeah oh yeah you should check that out drew come full circle is man. it marlon in that one who's the which one which wayans it's that's damon wayans is that, that damon Way- okay that's a you should check out blank man if you haven't <laughs> what a piece sorry for that sorry for that weird tangent i'll go on a, another tangent here we like I, I just Another movie that uh, you can actually only see in theaters right now, but I went and saw, uh, was The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This is the new Nick Cage as Nick Cage movie. Uh, Why the sigh? Why the sigh? Nick Cage sucks. Oh my God. Nick Cage is trash. Nick Cage has never made anything better for being in it. Ever. He's never been the the good thing. I think that people forget because of like the past 10 years of Nick Cage's career and what he's been doing, which is just working. You know, he's not I mean, he could be doing different stuff if he wanted to, but I think he likes just working all the time. And uh, but he's made a lot of bad movies, but a few good ones in the past like decade or so. But he had some good stuff back in the day, and I think people forget he can be talented when he wants to be. I know, Gary, you've been like on the anti-pig train for a while. I really yeah. liked it and thought he was actually really great in it, but um, I'll say this. This movie is Nick Cage being that like extra over-the-top version of Nick Cage, but on purpose because he's kind of being a parody of himself. Uh, but I enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. And Pedro Pascal is in it and is despite Nick Cage being as over the top as he is, Pedro Pascal still manages to be a scene stealer and kind of like, you know, steals your heart in the movie because he's just so good in it. Um, but yeah, I thought Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was fun. There's a lot of references to Nick Cage movies, of course, to all the big ones like Face Off or The Rock, but also some of his more obscure movies there's references to. But that you don't was, have to have seen those movies to to understand it by any means. That was going to be what I've I said. So it was like Face Off, The Rock, and Con Air are all awesome movies, but none of them are awesome because of Nick Cage. None of them. Nick Cage is not awesome. He will never be good, and he has never been good. <laughs> I don't know 
what happened? I don't know why everyone all of a sudden is like, oh, yeah, he's always been great. He hasn't. He's always, always. been bad, and he'll always be bad. Anytime. I remember growing up my entire life and being like, oh, wow, a Nick Cage movie just came out. I bet it's dope. Always. Every, every, always. That's been my whole life. I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then, and then what, Ghost Rider came out? Or did, did you keep saying Ghost that Rider sucked. Ghost Rider. Yeah, Ghost Rider sucked out that, loud. That's yeah. when things started going on the decline. That like, is. You know, like, I actually like the National Treasure movies and things like that. Like, I think there's some fun there. I think but the National Treasure Ghost movies Rider, are amazing. And he started doing, like, he did that, uh, Drive Angry, and he did one. <laughs> Like some sort of witch hunter movie, I can't even remember what it was called. Twelve and he started sons. Doing a bunch of bizarre stuff. No, no, it had like a really stupid title. I can't I remember because there's that dumb Vin Diesel one crap. too, uh, and I keep getting them mixed up. I have to. It's not the the last witch hunter is the Vin Diesel yeah. one. No, the one that I'm thinking of is called Season of the Witch. That's the one that I was thinking of. But I like him in side roles. Like I like him in Kick Ass and and things like that. He was like, great in Kick Ass. Yeah, he was pretty good in Kick Ass. Oh, season of the Witch um, wasn't I, terrible. He is pretty good in Kick Ass. So if you cover up his the face, there's a princess, but I don't think that that got that much. All right, by I saw that as well. Him. I've seen all so of them. Man. I've decided that if you cover up his face and you give him less lines, that he's better. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'll stick with that. The more you cover his face and the less nah, lines you give Nick you Cage, go, the more I will like him on the graph. You need to go watch the history of swearing with Nicolas Cage on Netflix. I watched it. I watched the history it's of swearing. awesome. Watching no, Nicolas Cage go, dicks, like that. <laughs> like he does. He like does the whole head move and like yells the word dicks like for half the history hour. of swearing should have been a really funny and really insightful documentary, and it wasn't. I thought it was hilarious. I was dying. I like Nick Cage, though. I have a completely opposite feeling. I have the exact opposite feeling about If I could pull a rope to drop a boulder on Nick Cage or not pull a rope to drop a boulder on Nick Cage, I would probably pull the rope to drop a boulder on Nick Cage. <laughs> Hey, I, you know what? I, I would take the that. boulder for Nick Cage. I'll uh, I'll use that as a another transition because we can talk about Nick Cage all day. I will dropping boulders on people or hurting people to an ex- extreme amount. Um, <laughs> Jackass four point five was just put on Netflix this weekend, which is strange because you know Jackass Forever came out in theaters in February. It was Paramount release, and that movie's on Paramount Plus. But for whatever reason, the marketing deals they had set in place before Jackass Four Point Five, which is like a you know kind of they've done this with the past Jackass movies, having the point five version, where it's basically yeah. unused footage from the most recent Jackass movie in its own, which movie. is smart. Right, and actually, a lot of the stunts in it are are pretty good, and they did a really smart thing with this, which it's it's a mixture of unseen stunts from the new movie with like a behind the scenes documentary of making Jackass Forever. 
So they have interviews with the cast and talking about how they cast the new people that are on the show and where they found them, how they came about them, and kind of their introduction to the crew. Then mix in some new new uh, sketches, but then also talking about like when production got shut down because of COVID and they had to take a break and how Johnny Knoxville had black hair when they stopped filming and then he came back eight months later and had all gray hair, you know, <laughs> like things like that. You know, they address all that, but also show some behind the scenes thing from some of the things from some of the big sketches that are in the movie. So um, I thought this was really good. If you like, I mean, for Jackass, if you like the Jackass movies and shows and you saw Jackass forever back in February and you want a little bit more, I would definitely recommend this. And it's on Netflix now. It just launched this weekend. Do you ever think about how Jamie Lee Curtis looks like uh, Johnny Knoxville that you could have sex with? I think Johnny I mean, Knoxville I don't... looks like a Johnny Knoxville I could have sex with. Yeah, something that I think about often, or that has crossed my mind. But I mean, now it's there. Thanks for that. Every time I see gray-haired Johnny Depp, I think about Jamie Lee Curtis. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Johnny Depp's hot on my head because of the, you know, the thing, the news. Yeah, yeah so I, I did mean Johnny Knoxville. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's that's. I'm just going to go from there. That's Jackass 4.5. I'd oh, say yeah. watch it. It's on Netflix. And then the only other movie that I'll mention real quick, and I'll let y'all talk more about stuff you've been watching, is I watched From Russia with Love. This is the second James Bond movie. With Sean Connery from 1963. Pushy. Pushy um, Actually, friend of the show, Connor, um, he's a huge Bond fan. And we met up a few weeks ago and we're talking Bond. And I, Bond is a huge blind spot for me. I haven't seen a lot of the old Bonds. And he was like, you know what? We're going to. We're going to continue your Bond education. So, hey, Connor, you know what I really like about James Bond? I, I really like that. Wealthy, entitled white people have a hero to look up to. <laughs> I remember our, our, us point. having our Bond episode back in October, and and it was clear that there weren't the highest opinions of, of the Bond franchise necessarily from this group. But I will say, you know, I went, I watched From Russia with Love, and uh, I had a good time with it. There's still a lot of big action set pieces. It's kind of crazy still when you look back in the 60s and the time, like, just how overtly sexual James Bond was back then, just like flirting with all the women and, you know, over the top. But then back then, the gadgets were so simple compared to now. You know, everything's so <laughs> technology-based now. And back then, it was like a knife that popped out of the suitcase or, you it's know... It's a pen that can make a phone call. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's all there. You know, the, the venom-tipped knives that pop out of shoes and things and it's it's hilarious this is the bad part it's like obviously i'm a kid that grew up watching austin powers shout out to austin powers this year's the 20th yeah, anniversary of austin powers um but like you go back and watch dr no and from russia with love and you're like oh yeah that's from austin powers oh yeah that's from austin yeah. powers and of course they're you know not that we didn't know Austin Powers was spoofing <laughs> Bond movies, but like some of the thing, you know, you realize how good some of the polls are 
in Austin Powers from some of the things in Bond that they're making fun of. But anyway, uh, so I watched From Russia With Love. I enjoyed it. The, one of the bad guys in it is the actor Robert Shaw that played Quint in Jaws. So it was interesting seeing him be like a mm. well-kept uh, Bond villain. But anyway, yeah, I'll have more to say about Bond in the future as I continue to watch more of the backlog of Bond movies. Speaking of Austin Powers... Why go watch Austin Powers when you could just open up Netflix and turn on The Pentaverit? I didn't even mean to up that segue for you. I'm so glad that it worked out that well. Hey, no problem. Yeah, Drew's been going to segue school, I can tell. I, I, but I, I'm the one. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> So, The Pentaveret is on Netflix, and if you want to see Keegan-Michael Key sitting <laughs> dumbfounded in front of Michael Myers playing the Illuminati, <laughs> well then, do I have good news for you? So, um, a couple things from this poster... Go ahead, John. Let me ask me some questions, and I'll see. I watched the first episode. Let me see what I can answer for you. Uh, tagline: The Pentaveret must never be exposed. Good stuff. Uh, it's shot as a drama shot. Uh, the coloring, okay. like mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like a, a horror movie picture. Uh, and he's holding a microphone that says "Kaka News Toronto," which is truly highbrow stuff. There's a okay, poop so, joke on the cover okay. of the show. Let's, let's start there. So Mike Myers is the he's the he's the star of the show, uh-huh. and he is a news reporter who's past his prime. But he's going to go to a conspiracy theory uh, expo, and he's going to get his next big story. Oh, but, at a conspiracy expo, yeah. But Mike Myers also plays all of the members of the Pentaveret. And then he also plays people like at the expo and people at the door. And so really it's just uh, a Mike Myers Netflix extravaganza. And while there are some characters that are kind of funny, uh, the show, I was really hoping it wasn't a movie. About 30 minutes in, I was like, okay, I cannot handle any more of this. This is like becoming love guru-ish. Uh, and then the credits rolled. And I was like, oh, thank God. It's just one episode. Maybe I'll watch another one. But I didn't yet. But I promise you, if that was a movie, I would have turned it off and not watched it again. So at least they had the foresight to realize that that was not funny for long. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they realized that in the 90s when they stopped making Michael Myers movies. Even, even Keegan-Michael Key, like he's, uh, he's an expert in his field. He's a scientist. They believe that he can stop global warming because of some of his research. And even he can't save the show. Like his character doesn't want to be there, right? His character didn't want to be abducted by... Mike Myers, and neither did I as the viewer. We didn't want to be there, and we didn't want to be abducted by Mike Myers. We just wanted to leave with Keegan-Michael Key, uh, and now we're all stuck there. <laughs> and, and, and that's how I feel about it. So if you guys want to go check out the Pentaveret, uh, it's on Netflix. It's more of Mike Myers being Mike Myers 
which is just funny, just long enough for you to remember why you don't watch those movies. Did they do a, a shadow skit gag? Not not in the first episode, but there there is more than one poop joke. Uh, they go lowbrow quick. I mean, it's on the cover. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like it's not like they didn't it's not like they didn't warn me. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Oh boy, indeed. Well, how about you, Jahan? What else have you been watching? Uh, so. Yeah, I watched, I binge watched all of From, uh, I'm just missing the one episode, that's mostly what I've been watching, but, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about, uh, Fred Ward dying recently. Uh, I don't know if you know who Fred Ward is, uh, Fred Ward is from Tremors, uh, he's in other stuff, he's in a lot of stuff, uh, but he died recently, uh, Tremors has been... A big franchise in my life. I, you know, I, I love the first one, love the second one, and then they just kept coming out with them all the way up until like a year ago, uh, is when the final one came out. Fred Ward is uh, co-starring with Kevin Bacon in the first one, and then he is the star of Tremors Two: Aftermath. Uh, I watched both of them again. You know, give old Fred Ward a proper send off. Uh, and, you know, these movies are still great. I still love these movies. Uh, the first one is fantastic. It's actually a really good movie. The second one is very campy, uh, but very cool. The third one is a lot of fan service, but I actually really want to watch it now. I, I think of, uh, <laughs> this is a r- weird poll, but I think of him from Joe Dirt, because I believe he plays Joe Dirt's father That makes, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's he's in a lot of stuff. He's been, uh, like, a general in, like, four different movies. Uh, Fred Ward's been in a lot. When I think Fred Ward, I think Tremors. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of had, like, a Fred Ward tribute watch of Tremors and Tremors 2. There are seven of them. What new... Um, did, did you come to a higher plane of being after you watched Tremors 2? Did it was any new insight shown into your life after it, watching these movies, John? So, uh, I mean, like honestly, it's just like if you have an idea, do it. You know, go for it. It could work out. You know, uh, there are seven of these movies. <laughs> Someone's had, writing them. They had a good idea for about two of them. Uh, the third one even is actually, I feel, pretty good. Um, the girl from Jurassic Park. Um, the hacker girl, she's in the first Tremors movie. She comes back for the third one after Jurassic Park, uh, interestingly enough. And Who's the hacker girl in Jurassic Park? Uh, the, the you know, the girl-a-boy combo, the children in the original Jurassic Park movie. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, her, she's, she's, a, she's a hacker. Uh, and she, like, does it wrong. It's really funny, because it's just, like, they're, they're just moving through, like, this 3D. It's just really funny. 90s hacking is hilarious. Um, but, yeah, she, she comes back for the third one. Then the fourth one is about, like, the Wild West. <laughs> and then the fifth one is in Africa. The sixth one, uh, the fifth one introduces Jamie Kennedy as a character. He's garbage. Uh, Jamie Kennedy is also trash. He's terrible. Put him in the Nick Cage cabinet and lock the door. I would never, never compare those two people. Put them in there. Put them both, cram them both in there. One of those people has an Emmy. (laughs) Or an Oscar. That's fine. Nicolas Cage can sit on top of him. 
<laughs> but yeah, and then uh, then Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, terrible, terrible movie. And then the final Tremors movie, uh, Tremors Shrieker Island, came out recently. Uh, and that movie was, was watchable. It was okay. Honestly, the only one that I say is absolutely god-awful is Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. That one's terrible. I, I like that like... Jahan watched Tremors 1 and 2 as a tribute to Fred Ward, and now we're just on a Tremors total detour. Well, don't worry. While we're... That's all I watched. While we're at the Tremors detour, I'll, I'll you know, Jahan, I'm not surprised the ice one was terrible. Did you see the Alien vs. Predator ice one? Uh, yeah, the, the original that... Alien vs. Predator. That was the first one. It was terrible. Uh, Something only about if you hate place... good movies, Gary. Something about taking place in the ice for a horror movie is just like, I don't care. I don't what? live in Antarctica. What about the thing? Like, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. Have you I seen don't the thing? live. Yes, Jahan, I've seen the thing. I don't care because I don't live in the poles. Yeah, but like, it's still scary, though. It's not. Fine, be that way. But yeah, no. I will. Anytime I see an ice monster movie, it's just like jumping the shark to me. Like you've already, you already lost me. It's on the ice. I'm already gone. It's already dumb. You just it's can't already relate a dumb to movie. It. It's funny. Yeah, it's already, it's already an ice. Well, movie. a like, lot of people in the world live where it snows. So, <laughs> like I live where it snows, but uh, for like trimmers, three weeks, <laughs> trimmers in ice. Um. Uh, not scary. Aliens <laughs> and predators in ice. Not scary. Put them. Put them back in the cityscapes. Let them terrify people. Uh, being off alone in a re- remote research base is not a scary place for you to be. That's but, like where you it's where you should be. But help can't come, Gary. Help can't come. It's it's probably worse when all the help around you gets swallowed up by tremors. Uh, they're called graboids. I stand correct. <laughs> Uh, they even they even do that gag in the third one because people always call them tremors. Uh, yeah, sorry, Drew. We're done having fun now. Oh, good. Thank goodness. <laughs> Moving on. What else? What else have you been, you been doing? Uh, I've been playing games, right? I've been playing games. Are these uh, games? They are billions and Loop Hero. Are those games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw those on your list, John. Sorry to jump ahead. No, We've talked about Research and Destroy before, so I'll just mention it real briefly again. Um, John and I beat Research and Destroy last night. We got the achievement. We tweeted at the company. We told them we beat the game. Uh, they said, hooray, thanks for playing our game. Yeah, um, it was awesome. Research and Destroy is a, it's a turn-based, third-person shooter. Um, you move around like a squad. You fight ghosts. You fight zombies and vampires and trolls. Um, and then at the end of it all, you fight all of those things all at once in endless waves while you fight a giant three-stalked eye monster. And so we did that, and we beat the crap out of that three-stalked eye monster, and here we are to, to tell the tale. Um, I enjoyed Research and Destroy. It was on Game Pass. It was free dollars still on, on Game, Game Pass. Pass. It's still on Game Pass. Um, I'm not sure I'm gonna play it anymore though. We beat it. I'm good with that. It's uh I might play I, I research and destroy too though. I I would love uh I actually tweeted at them that I would definitely play further content. Yeah. But that's that's all I have to say about that. We we played it, we beat it. Uh well, first we played it, we talked about it, then we played it again, we beat it, and we liked it. And that's that. 
True that. I've been playing Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is also free on Game Pass um, as of, like, Thursday. Um, so these do follow the movies a bit. It's a, it's a park-building kind of resource management game. Uh, the first Jurassic World, you're trying to build a park, you know, draw crowds, keep everyone safe. This one, so if you're familiar with the, the story that's coming up with the new movie, dinosaurs are out. They're in the world. They exist in the plains of Utah, and you know, like, wherever. They, they, they're they free. They are something that people just have to deal with. Uh, so in this one, you're less park building. You're facility maintaining. And you can actually, instead of going to, like, get fossils from Nevada to, like, create dinosaurs, you are going to Nevada to capture dinosaurs, to bring them back to your park, uh, to, like, keep them safe, keep them away from people. Uh, they talk about different government agencies, like there's a, uh, a CIA agency for dangerous animals now, because these animals are such a big threat. Um, and it, it's just, I like how they changed, they evolved. Uh, some of the actors actually did their own parts for it. Um, I think it's a perfect sequel. I think it's a great sequel. Uh, it has everything. Like, a lot of my complaints were addressed. Uh, they added a lot of, like, the minutia of micromanagement that I was kind of craving from the first one that I didn't get. Uh, like, having to resupply gasoline for your generators. That kind of thing. Uh, but no, I actually like it a lot. Free on Game Pass. Also free on Game Pass, the last game I'm going to talk about is more of Deep Rock Galactic Season 2. Uh, last night, Jahan and I played Deep Rock Galactic until like three in the morning. Today, Jahan and I were playing Deep Rock Galactic before we got on the stream. Um, Deep Rock Galactic Season 2 adds more of all the things you love, more bugs, more monsters, more skins, more cosmetics. Uh, I've talked about it before and I'll continue talking about Deep Rock uh, until Season 3, right? Uh, really, Season 2 is still new. Um but I'm, I'm getting through all the seasonal stuff. I'm unlocking all the cosmetics. There are all the new skins and all the new weapons. There are also a bunch of new overclocks, which are like buffs for your weapons. Uh, we keep learning and finding new things all the time. Like, before they would do things like certain dam more damage to certain creatures, or maybe they would stun them. Uh, but now the overclocks do things like, if you stuff. shoot your own platform for too long, then your platform will explode. Um, and so even the developers of Deep Rock are, are starting to get more creative within their own confines. Um, they said they're not going to add more classes to the game, so we'll always just see kind of this level of creativity keep creeping up and the game become more and more exciting. Um, one of the biggest things I like about Season 2 and Deep Rock Galactic that they did for quality of life is Jahan knows exactly what I'm talking about. Whenever you're upgrading your forges on your forge tree and you're getting new things for your weapon, it used to be at the end of a forge line, you would get a random upgrade for one of your classes or one of your characters. Just a random upgrade that you could now build. Well, now when you get to the end of your line, instead of getting a random thing, you get a choice uh, between two different things. So you sort of get to pick uh, what yeah, you want really instead cool. of getting random handouts. So... Just those kind of small things in Deep Rock Galactic continue to give to the game where all of a sudden you're not stuck with something you don't want, right? Now you get to pick. At least you get to choose from one of two things that you might want. Um, 
love Deep Rock Galactic, love the community, love playing with random people in that game. Uh, and Annie and my wife has gotten super into Deep Rock Galactic. Now she's doing uh, level four missions, which are really hard. She's doing the deep dives, the elite deep dives, and all the other hard stuff the game has to offer. So uh, it's been fun playing and bonding and, and more Deep Rock Galactic. Just love it. It's free on Game Pass, but you can also buy it for like $30, it's I think. Really cheap, and it's yeah. Well worth the money. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games ever, too. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so, those of you listening, you probably noticed my voice is a little off. I've been sick uh, this past week. So, I've actually gotten a chance to play a lot more games than usual. Um, so, here are some of them. I also played... I mentioned this to you before, Drew. And you rolled your eyes. Because it has zombies in it. And... <laughs> I'm a zombie guy. Whatever. I played They Are Billions. Is this one you tweeted about and I tweet, commented on it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, so I, I got to play They Are Billions. I actually got to play it even more since then. Uh, they Are Billions is a, a real-time strategy game where you are the last of humanity uh, trying to survive zombies. Uh, humanity is taking residence in this crater and you are trying to, like, slowly move out. Uh, and that is, like, an overworld map. You get to choose which missions you do as you expand. Each one gives you different bonuses. Uh, I actually really appreciated that there was a, like, single hero kind of action going on uh, where you play as, like, one person in, like, a, like a sweep-and-destroy mission in a bunker to try to save some MVPs uh, or VIPs. And uh, that's just a nod back to old RTS games like uh, Warcraft or Starcraft, where you would take a hero, lead him around the map uh, for, like, the campaign mode. Very cool, very good stuff. It's only $30, and this game slaps, man. It's really cool. There's a tech tree that goes for the campaign, not mission to mission, so, like, you get stronger. Uh, so it kind of has, like, these XCOM base development uh, structures going on, and... When zombies are the enemy, cool stuff happens. I actually got slaughtered in my last mission because some of the zombies infected one of my buildings. The building exploded, creating more zombies, and it just dominoed from there. I was done uh, before I could even begin that one. But yeah, they are billions. Super fun so far. Uh, and then I also finally started to play this game, Loop Hero, which is a game I've heard a lot about. A lot of people talk about this one. Uh, it's really interesting, actually. So it's a... Uh, it's a like a retro style game. It's you know not not the fanciest graphics like 16 bit or whatever. And you are trying to remember existence because you can't because existence is gone. Like everything in the world has fallen away. The apocalypse is here, uh, and you're trying to hang on to your memories because they're all that's keeping you tethered to existing. Uh, and as you do this, you're traveling around this trek that you can you can add like locations to it causes monsters to spawn your character is like fighting and killing stuff uh and you gather resources and you're trying to build up like your home base you wind up finding survivors uh it's a really really interesting it's completely different from anything i've ever played before it's a very interesting it's almost like a what do you call it like a one of those passive games, like a game that just goes on in the background almost. But you do have some control while your character is going around and auto battling. You have to like 
be like, oh, he got this piece of equipment and, like, upgrade it really quick before he gets to another battle. And, like, you can, uh, like, oh, I want to put the Vampire Mansion here because it's next to this thing that gives me a bonus against fighting monsters. And so, like, it's this whole interesting thing. I gotta play it a bit. Um, I don't know. Check it out. It's it's a cheap game, and it was pretty cool. And that's all I've been doing. And is Loop Hero, is that PC only? I believe so. I believe it is yeah, a Steam game. It sounded pretty cool. I was looking at some of the pictures. Do you know if that's made by the, or published by the same people who did Slay the Spire? It is not. So Slay the Spire was developed by Humble Bundle. Okay. Uh, this was developed by Devolver Digital, uh, who do other games. They do a lot of games, uh, but specifically some of the more popular ones, some of the ones I love, uh, Enter the Gungeon. I don't know if you played that. That is one of my favorite uh, of that style top-down shooter games. Uh, so fun. That game is full, chock full of references. Like, you can find guns from almost any fandom. Uh, you know, you can find Doctor Who weapons. You can find Harry Potter jokes. You can find, uh, like, the golden gun. You can find anything. And Devolver Digital does a lot of stuff. They're, to me, that company, I trust their their, their creation process. So They're out of Austin. I didn't know that. Devolver Digital is the shit. Uh, damn, we should. I, I should go up there. And be like, hey, what's up? Um. Well, the only other game uh, that I had to mention that I've talked about the past few weeks, and I'll just give it one more shout out, is Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. I have put many hours into this game. I have beat all the individual episodes, like each movie. Uh, and am now just collecting stuff and all the little open world sections. I'm at 90% overall completion. I have over a thousand of the Kyber bricks. I'm just trying to get the last characters, vehicles, and things. I'm at that point in the game where, to be honest, I'm pretty burnt out on it. I'm ready to transition to something else, but I've just put this much time into it already. I'm like, I'm going to get that hundred percent and get all the collectibles and get all the achievements and just and finish it out so i gotta gotta do it with style that's it that's it yeah awesome so yeah that was what we've been watching playing uh y'all listening you should hit us up on twitter with suggestions on what we could watch play uh you never know we might feature what you suggest to us on the stream tell us our somewhat hilarious feelings about things uh you could coerce gary into having to watch nick cage movies but yeah so. um <laughs> also if you want to look at miniatures and stuff you can come come over to my twitter and look at the miniatures i've been painting because i've been painting them yes do that for sure well, gary has been painting actually through you through you a twitter like here while we oh. were recording because i went and looked and just saw your most recent post with the denim uh, texture and it actually looks pretty good. Looks pretty good, man. Thank you, thank you. He's doing a good job. I mean, so he's painting truly. flesh. Like orcs have ex- a lot of exposed skin. That's really hard, man. A lot of the ones that I did, they were wearing armor, and like it's a little easier to paint armor. Uh, f- skin is hard to do, and you did a good job. Thank you, I'll thank say, you. I'll say two things about it too: is that looking at previous photos of your miniatures on my phone is probably giving less credit than it should because i just looked at this one on like my high res monitor mm-hmm. and so you can see the detail and it looked really good but still comparing the even this most recent one to the earlier ones like exponentially better for sure thank it you it looked really good 
All I have is thank yous, man. Thank you. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Ah, man, you're killing it. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone, listening. Uh, I have been Jahanan at RockFact on Twitter. It's me, Casualty CDG. If you like tabletop role-playing games, board games, things of that sort, stop by every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Jahan and I play all sorts of games. It's twitch.tv backslash Jahananon or TTRPG, Fresh Out the Box. You could just Google that, and it'll come up with our YouTube. Fresh Out the Box, TTRPG. It's so exciting. Um, we're always having fun. We have new people on all the time. We're trying to play new games all the time. And I do believe soon uh, we'll be starting a new Thursday night game. We're not sure which game, and we're not sure who's playing, but look forward to that if you want to see a new game. Uh, that's all I've got. I am Drew Munhausen. You can find me at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Uh, please go to uh, nerddestropolis.com and read my men review. I will share a link to that in the show notes. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to have more um, movie reviews up there in the near future. We shall see. Thanks everyone for listening. Stay fresh.